And afterward, the priest shall go in to see the house. And he shall look on the plague, and behold, if the plague be in the walls of the house with the hollow strakes, greenish or reddish, which in sight are lower than the wall. Then the priest shall go out of the house, of the doors of the house, and shut up the house seven days. And the priest shall come again the seventh day, and shall look, and behold, if the plague be spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take stones in which the plague is, and they shall cast them into an unclean place without the city. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your home, to be in your house, Father. We thank you for everything that you've ever done for us, Lord, for most of all for saving us, Lord, for, for shedding your blood upon Calvary. God, we thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. But God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just use me, Lord, as your servant, Lord, and nothing more, Lord. If there's anything of me, Lord, of a hindrance, Father, you remove it, Father. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you'd watch over the congregation, Lord, and open their hearts, Lord, ready to receive your word. Lord, you know the time, Lord, you know the study that I put into it, Lord, Father, but without you, Lord, it's nothing, Lord. We love you and we thank you, Lord, and most of all throughout this, God, if there's somebody in here that doesn't know you, Lord, as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray at any time, Lord, during the preaching, teaching, singing, whatever it may be, God, that now's appointed time that they would make their way to this altar, Lord, and give their heart to you before it's everlasting too late. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to preach this morning on cleansing the infected house. And some of you has already done, I watched, because I got a good peripheral vision, has done pulled your feet out of the aisles, amen. I'm not going to step on your toes this morning. The only thing I want to do is I want to get you help, amen. I'm going around and, and, and me and uh, a few others were talking this morning about you know, uh, about how church used to be and about how things used to be and, and how things were back uh, a long time ago when I came into the church this morning. I looked up and I seen a picture on the wall, brother, of everybody uh, arrayed in a garment as you talking about that garment around the supper table. And it kind of took me back and they were all in white and, and that picture was probably, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe 100 years old by looking at it. And, and I got to thinking about some people who's gone on to be with the Lord and and then I got to thinking about some people who was just kind of strayed from God and who's went their own way. And so I'm going to preach to you out of Leviticus. Now this is the law of leprosy and, and you're going to say this is all Levitical. This has nothing to do with me, but it does in, a, in an aspect. Amen. It has everything to do with you. And, and this morning I'm just going to translate it from Old Testament into New Testament if, if that's okay with you. Amen. Amen. God said it was okay with him, so I'm still going to preach it. Amen. In verse 35, we read down through here, and we understand that, you know, there's, a, there's leprosy, and, and there's things that's going on, but in verse 35, see, you have a person who owns the house, and, and this person says, it seemeth to me as if it were as there's something going on inside my house, as if it were the plague inside my home. Now, I don't need to go to a doctor whenever I've got a fever to figure out that I've got a fever. Amen. I don't need to go to the doctor to figure out that, hey, brother, that uh, things in my life are going on, that there's something in there that's happening that I don't feel good and I don't feel well that I need to go to the doctor. Amen. There's times that I'm laying in my bed at night and, and, I, and uh, brother, I'm just not feeling good and, and I know that there's something going on and I know that there's something that needs to be fixed, but yet I need to go to somebody and figure out 
to say, hey, I'm really not feeling so well. I'm not feeling the way that I used to feel. I'm not doing the things that I used to do. I'm not having the energy. I'm not having the excitement. I'm not having the emotion. I'm not having the effects that I used to have. I'm laying here in bed tonight and I'm just feeling sick. I'm kind of feeling down. I'm kind of feeling out. You understand in verse 35 that the owner of the house had to figure out that there was something going on inside the house before he could know what was going on but he had to have a fix to the problem when the owner of the house said there's a problem there's a plague there's something going on there's plagues going on throughout the land amen you can amen me that's okay it's all in order amen you can help me amen and there's plagues and there's things that's going on that's trying to pull people away from God trying to pull people away from church trying to pull people away from the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some has but it says exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching but you understand that leprosy in the Old Testament was a type of sin amen that you understand that this type of sin only infected that individual but it could spread throughout the house it could go from the mother to the father to the son to the daughter to the grandchildren and it could go on from generation to generation to generation and sin just keeps on trickling down and it keeps moving it keeps moving but you have to be the one to figure out of where it stops at or whether you're going to continue in it amen in verses 36 through 39 leprosy will spread throughout the house it will be an infection it will be a disease it will cause the home to deteriorate it will be a trouble in the home it will make the home unclean and you will have to close it up so what happened in the Old Testament preacher can I tell you about Levitical law the priest would come in and he would check the homes he would check the walls he would check the strikes and he would see if they were greenish or if they were yellow he would look around the home he would say I want you to empty all this junk out. I want you to get everything in here and I want you to take it outside the home. I don't want it to get infected too. I want you to just take care of the business. Amen. He would come down through there and he they would take the everything inside the home the couch, the TV, thank God the furniture and everything else and they would get it outside the home. And now you just have a home with walls, a roof and a floor. Amen. He would come back down through there and he would look at the home he would look it over and he would say, I see that there is a leprosy inside the home. There's a plague that's going on. He would look and he would say, I need you to remove this outside the home. Well, how'd they do that, preacher? I'm so glad that you asked that question. They would take that stone and they would pull it outside and they would take that stone and they would just drag it out and he would say, this is the one that is infected. They would take it out and they would drag that big stone and he said that the priest would command them to carry it to the unclean place and they would pitch it outside the city. You understand there's some things that you need to get outside of your life if you want to draw closer to God. Amen. That there are some stones inside my life that God said, Son, you're going to have to get rid of them if you want to get just a little bit closer to me. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he'd come back and he would re-inspect the place and he'd look it over and the priest would say, well, here's what I want you to do. He said, you can't just leave that stone outside order. If not, the foundation will give in and the house will collapse. There's still people living inside this home. Can I tell you that on March 19, 2004, I was sitting at the back of the church in McCorkle Free Will Baptist. 
Uh, the preacher, Rose Smith, was preaching on something, and brother, I don't even know what he was preaching on, to be honest with you. But the only thing I knew that there was something that came inside of me, and I heard this twice. I knew that I was living outside of God's will. I knew there were stones in my heart, and I said, man, there's no way. And I remember Lanny McDougal's, I know some of you may raise your hand, but he looked over at me and he said, if you died right now, this is the second time I've had this question asked to me before I ever got saved. And I said, this is no coincidence. And I said, there's something going on here. I knew that there was a stone inside my heart that needed to be removed. He looked over at me and he said, if you died right now, he said, where would you go? I said, well, I know where I'd go. He said, you need to fix it. I never told him where I was going, Amen. I said, how did he know where I'm going? I said, I'll be back on Wednesday night and I'll make it right with God. I said, I promise you that. He said, you can't make a promise that you can't depend on. He said, God may take you right now. He said, you may never even make it. He said, you might not even get up. I started to fear. I started to tremble. I made my way down to an old-fashioned altar. I gave my heart to God. I've been serving you. Have I been perfect? Absolutely not. But I've been striving along the way. But what I found out, Pastor, as down through the times and down through the roads God wouldn't just take that whole foundation all at once because I would collapse he had to take me piece by piece and cast some things into the unclean place and get them out of my life and get things out of your life amen but it had to be dusted and it had to be scraped they had to take the plaster out whenever they mortared that that stone in there they'd take that stone and they'd pull it out but they'd put a clean stone in and they'd mortar it right back up and they'd seal that joint so I was sitting there and I got to thinking I said well, what are some of the things today that I can preach on God that, that might help somebody along the way you see I had a stone of bitterness amen you go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 and 15 lest any root of bitterness springing up defile you, defile you, and thereby many be defiled. Amen. I had a root of bitterness in my life because of things that happened as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult. I had a lot of bitterness inside my home. I had a lot of bitterness inside my heart. Amen. I know it's okay. You can lift your hand. I can testify to that. I had anger. Amen. I, I was mad. I had wrath. I wanted revenge. Amen. Here, let me just get to just a few of them. There was anger. I know some of you can deal with that. There was bitterness, amen. There was wrath and there was envy. People was envy of other people, amen. There was hate and there was unholiness and there was unthankfulness and there was ungodliness, amen. I mean, we can just go down to 2 Timothy and just go down through there. How about that? Here's some stones in our lives. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. There's a stone. There'll be covenants. There's a stone. There'll be boasters. There's another stone. There'll be proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. There's going to be a stone that says that you're not going to have no love. There's going to be a form of godliness that comes into the church and they're going to say that they love God but they can care less what happens when they say get outside them doors. They need to take that stone and cast it into the unclean place. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a stone of jealousy. Oh yeah. Can you imagine that? There's a stone of clamor, clamor and evil speaking. You say, no, that don't happen. <laughs> or watch. 
There's a stone of lies. There's a stone of boasting. There's a stone of disobedience. But here it is. Have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. So here's what happens. I don't even know where I'm at. When they take that stone out, I told you that there was a stone that had to be put back in that spot. Now that's a clean stone. Priest has checked it over. Seven days, seven is what? Perfection, amen. So it has to come in and he has to look back and he has to see if that's been perfected or not. He looks at that stone and he looks at that house. He says that stone's clean, but it's starting to spread. See, you have a choice. My Bible tells me that my body is a temple. A place where Jesus dwells. As the song says, He paid the price on Calvary and I'm not about to sell. Amen? So my God told me that my body's a temple. Now I don't want nothing to defile my body when I stand before God one day in Hebrews 9 and 27 as the point unto man wants to die and after it's a judgment. But I've got to give an account of everything good and everything bad that I've ever done. Amen? I've got to stand before God, a just and almighty God. That's not going to say, well, I'll just pardon this one and just let you go. No. He's looking for one thing. He's looking for the blood. Amen. He's looking for the precious blood that he sent his son upon a cross to die on Calvary to save you and I that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. He said, if I go away, I'll come again to receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You understand that whenever I can't go no farther, I've got to stop and back up. I'll get back to the blood here in a second. Whenever they came back through there and the priest would look upon that house and it just kept scattering, it kept scattering. That was your choice to either take that stone and scrape it and dust it and get all that junk to the unclean place or you could live in the filth that you was in, amen. You can sit here and you can stay in it. You can waller in it like a pig in mud. I know some of you's not liking this, but you can just stay in, in Egypt and just follow pleasure and sin for a season. Or you can start cleaning that house up. Amen. How do you do it? Number one, the priest said you empty everything out of it. Number two, you got to call the priest in. Now see, we got a high priest which cannot be touched. In all points, he was tempted, and yet he sinned not. Amen. Amen. You call Jesus in, you say, Lord, I've got a problem in my life. I got some things that's taken over. Maybe I got envy. Maybe I got jealousy. Maybe I got, I tell you what. You got a stone and there's a blank spot. You fill it in and you say, that's keeping me from God. Whatever it is, you know what it is. Amen. And then the priest would come back and they would see that the stones were okay. They would take out the order. You could live inside the home. But here's what happens if you didn't do that. The priest would come in. they check that house. They went over it with a fine-tooth comb. I remember Jackie Miller talking about the, the, the lamb that had to be sacrificed. Sometimes they would take a comb and go over that for weeks at a time just looking for one spot in it. So don't think that they're not going to do the house the same way. Amen. I mean, if they got to do it for this sacrifice, they got to do it for things that also causes disease and leprosy. Amen. Amen. So as they're coming down through there, they look at this house. They said, we emptied everything out. There's nothing left, but all we got is the stones. When they come in and they say, you've done nothing to this place. Where does it say it at? Give me just a second. 
And the last part of this, I believe it was verse 42. Here we go. Now, if it's a fretting leprosy, I didn't want to tell you something that's not true. Ain't much calling line preachers. Then the priest, nobody laughed. That's good. Then the priest shall come and look, and behold, if the plague be spread in the house, it is a fretting leprosy in the house. Verse 44. It is unclean. Now, verse 45. And they shall break down the house, and the stone thereof, and the timber thereof, and all the mortar of the house, and they shall carry them forth out of the city to the unclean place. Do you understand that if you don't take care of this problem that's inside your life, that it's going to take you down to the ground? It was once built up. It was once doing good. It was once prospering. It was once everything that you wanted to be. I mean, it was almost like visas everywhere you wanted to be. Amen. But this disease came in. It took over. You'd done nothing about it. And now they came in. The priest said, you got to start from the top. I want you to take the roof off this place. I want you to take the rafters off. I want you to take the ceiling joist out. I want you to take the stones out. I want you to take the mortar out. I want you to get every part of it, and I want you to get the foundation to the unclean place. My Christ said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. You've got to build upon a solid rock and upon a solid foundation. Amen. But do you understand that if you do this stuff and if you do what God tells you to do, you're obedient and you're sensitive to the Spirit of God and you remove these stones. Did you remember that part I told you that you've got to seal up and you've got to plaster it? You understand the day that you've got saved but again by the blood of Jesus Christ that you're saved you're forever redeemed that God sealed your name in the Lamb's book of life never to be forgotten never to be forgotten I mean he is just out there and he said Craig Gillen water on this day Don Tabor on this day Morgan on this day and whosoever has called upon the name of the Lord he sealed you until the day of redemption Amen Sealed the mortar joint you see, I know we're on Facebook, so I'm going to be lenient, but I'm just going to go ahead and I'm just going to preach it. When I was 12, I've preached this message before, but when I was 11 years old in 1994, January 1st, no, I'm sorry, February 1st, in 1994, my grandfather passed away. My grandfather was my rock to me. He raised me from the time I was came from home from the hospital at the time February 1st of 94. He left this world. I was 11 years old, 10 years old, getting ready to turn 11. He left out of this world. My mother came to me, and, and I lived with my mother right next door to my grandmother. My grandmother, she was just, she, she was mourning herself to death because she had lost, you know, her husband after almost 50-some years. And uh, so she came to me. She said, what I need you to do, she said, uh, can you just stay with mommy for a little while? And I said, yeah, mommy, I'll do that. Now I'm 11 years old. I grew up just a little bit early, so that's the reason my mentality is praying up the same. And everybody's like, is he okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I just grew up just a little bit early, amen. And I had a lot of things on my plate as, as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old kid. I'd go up there and I'd stay the nights, and, and I'd do my homework. I'd get myself up for school. I didn't have my mom to walk me to school because my mom had to go to work, amen. 
I remember not seeing nobody tell me goodbye. I can remember sometimes Brother Craig in the evening time, I'd see my friends ride up and down the road on the bicycle, but I had to stay in one spot. And I had to make sure my grandmother was okay. I couldn't cook at this time, and they'd probably, I don't know, take me to jail if I let my kids do it. But back then, I used to take and I'd get the fire started, and I'd cut this bag of Brussels sprouts. Her spleen was shutting down. She was grieving herself to death. And, and I'd take those Brussels sprouts, and I'd put them in a pot, and I'd boil them, and you know, and get them soft for her, and I'd strain them and put them on the table. And I'd sit there, and I'd watch her eat, make sure she was okay. I did this until... Uh, June of 1995, I was at my dad's house. I spent the night with him. <clears throat> my mom called me the very next morning. It was July the 1st of 1995. I'm 12 years old. <clears throat> and I got a phone call that morning. Now, my mom never called me at my dad's house while I was over there. That was my, me and my dad's time. Well, you know, we spent together. Just make sure everything was okay, but she called me. I knew something was wrong because there was a phone call, brother. Mom said, I need to talk to you. I said, what's wrong, Mommy? She said, your grandmother passed away throughout the night. Here comes down throughout the night. She said her brother Van Buren Polly was. We caught him Junior was sitting on this side of the bed, and she said I was sitting on the other side of the bed. She said she was sleeping pretty decent. Then all of a sudden she woke up out of the middle of nowhere. She said, "Honey." Scoot over to the side just a little bit. She said, you okay, Mommy? She said, I'm fine. She said, Junior, just move over. She said, Sissy, what's wrong with you? She said, that's the brightest light I've ever seen come through this door. Now, this is about 3 o'clock in the morning. About 3 o'clock in the morning, that woman saw something that I've been longing for for a long time. Amen. She said, just scoot over and let them men inside this room. She said, are you all right, Mommy? She said, she looked over, she said, I've been waiting on this day for a long time. She said, I've journeyed, I've fought, I've traveled. She said, there's been a lot of things happened to me. She said, but this is the day that the Lord has made. She said, and I'm going to rejoice in it. That woman went out of this earth. I believe she was shouting. I believe today she's shouting on the streets of glory. I believe right now she's saying, grandson, preach it, grandson, preach it, amen. But do you understand that there was a stone of bitterness inside my heart because I was not there all down through that time for almost a year and a half. I had been with this woman day in and day out, nights and mornings and evenings and noon and times that I had gave up and I was not there the day that she left here. I felt like I had let my grandmother down and all of a sudden the stone of bitterness started to roll up inside of me. I said, God, I've let her down. I said, what am I going to do? All this time I wasn't there when she left. I should have been there. I should have been in the next room waiting for her to call for my name. Honey, just get in here. I need something or whatever it may be. There was a stone of bitterness. But can I tell you, on March 19, 2004, when God miraculously saved me from the depths of hell and from sin, He took that bitterness away from me and I have never, ever been the same since. Amen. So now what I'm going to ask you 
is what's your stone? What is your stone? What's keeping you from God? Is it bitterness? Is it anger? Is it jealousy? You say, preacher, that's tough. It is tough. It took me a long time to get over it. Actually, I didn't get over it. I just gave it to the high priest. Amen. I said, God, I can't do this no more. And that wasn't the reason that I got saved, but I carried bitterness along with me the whole time. Amen. I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. I got saved because I feared God. Amen. I got saved because I knew who power, how powerful He was. There's no way, there's no way you could ever convince me any otherwise of two questions back to back, two different nights apart, and the same questions. If you die right now, where would you go? Now here's what I want to ask you. You going to carry a stone around and let it weigh you down and drag you down? Or are you going to get it to the unclean place and say, God, there it is. Take it. I've had it. I can't take this no more. Listen, I'll say this and then I'll be real quiet. And I'll, I'll go back to my seat. Amen. <clears throat> I know this world looks dark. And you can turn on any. I'm not political. I'm not. It ain't going to be just Democrats. It ain't going to be just Republicans. Amen. Amen. I'm glad I got one amen out of that. Amen. Amen. And people starting to smile now. Amen. It's going to be by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm tired of this old dark world. I'm tired of trying to protect my children. Just as you said, brother, I know what you're talking about. I'm tired of trying to protect my children. I'm tired of this old world and everything and the agenda and everything that's going on. You know what I did? I shut my TV down to an extent. Now we got Roku. So the only thing we get to watch is Andy Griffith. And uh, if my boys were here, they would know exactly. Yeah, thank God for that. Amen. And, uh, and, and some other ones, you know, and uh, Gomer Powell and the other ones. But, and that's the way we win. I said, I can't handle this no more. You see, if a negative is feeding from a negative you're going to be negative. But if a positive is feeding from a positive, in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not assembling himself together as a man or some have, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Church, do you see the day approaching? Amen. Look around. Be honest with you. You see the day approaching when men are going to be uh, covenants, boasters, blasphemers, proud, disobedient, you know, uh, unthankful, unholy. I believe we're living in those times. Amen. I'm going to say this, and I'll shut up and get out of the way. This will really be my last time. I told you ain't much for calling the line preachers, but we was talking about, you was talking about in Sunday school class. We don't know the day. We don't know the time. We don't know the hour. Brother, we don't even know the minute that God's going to return. But here's a fact. He's returning. I bought, not that I'm real huge on Oliver B. Green, but I, I like to listen to him preach, and he kind of picked up on some things, and that I was listening to, and I bought this series called uh, Noah Days, and it's like a 10-month audio. There's like 40-some CDs, and I'm halfway through it. I got like, I don't know, 60-some hours, I'm guessing, 50-some hours into it. And it says, as the days no worse, so shall it be in the coming son of man. And they're going to be giving into marriage, they're going to be drinking, they're going to be partying, they're going to be having a good time. Look around you today, now just think about this, and think about the world that you're living in. I told you a negative will feed a negative, and a positive can feed a negative and make it a positive, amen? Right here is the only positive that I got in this world, amen? 
This is the only way that I'm ever going to fix my problems. They cry peace and their sudden destruction, amen. They say, well, this is going to, we need peace and peace. And Christ said, you know what? He said, it's only going to wax worse and worse. You can keep following me, and he said, you can follow me. Your, today is your choice. You can take that stone, and you can cast it into the unclean place. You say, preacher, I'm not saved. Bless God, there's an unclean place that you can cast that old past life out of, amen. And you can get a new life in Christ, amen. I don't know your heart. I don't know where you stand with God. If everybody stands just for a second, I'll, I'll close at this. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's looking around. And won't you just be honest with yourself? I don't know what you came in here for 